Hello. I know I've said good morning like five times now, but good morning. Um, well, I'm Toby. I'm on staff here, and I'm a part of uh, the Oaks Gospel Community. Um, and this morning we're going to jump into a new series, a new... Um, it's, it's a scattered series. We'll do, we'll do this sermon once every two... Well, not this sermon, but a sim, this part of this, this series once every two months. Um, but also, it's Vision Sunday. So I'm going to share a little bit about our vision too, and I hope that I don't do it in a, a dull way. of <laughs> like there's some pressure now. Um, but our vision as a church hasn't changed since the day we started. How, how it plays out and how it looks through each season has and does change, but our vision as a church hasn't changed. The, 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 the blood of the church, the DNA, the central focus has always been the same, and, and that is that we want to be a people who are living out of who we have become in Christ. We want to be a church that not only focuses on a Sunday, but focuses on living for Jesus throughout the week, every day. To, to, to go out and make him known in the world. We want every man, woman and child in the Blue Mountains to have a daily encounter with Jesus through the word and the deed of the church through the spirit. That's what we want. And we are called Soma. We call ourselves Soma because we believe that this ragtag group of people, look around, this little ragtag group of people, we've been so radically renewed by the gospel that we can say we are the body of Christ. That's what soma means, the body. So if we're, if we're his body, if we're his soma, then what does that look like? And we came to think that, well, there must be something more than um, gathering together on a Sunday morning, maybe a Wednesday night, uh, in a church building. There must be something more. There's nothing wrong with those things, but there must be something more. And there is something more. Because the Bible calls us to more. Matthew 28 says that we're to go out, make disciples of all nations. We're to teach people to obey all that Jesus has commanded. Acts 1 says that, the Spirit, that Jesus sent the Spirit so that he will empower us to be his witnesses out in the world. 2 Corinthians says that we are to partner with God in the ministry of reconciliation. So there is more than just gathering on a Sunday and, and maybe a Wednesday or Tuesday night or something. And if the gospel is true, if, if God gave his son to die so that we can have life and relationship with him, then, well, I think that demands living every day, every moment, every crack, every crevice for God. This means being his family, his bride, his disciple, his servant, his missionary at work, in the office, in the bush, on your, during your soccer games or your netball games, everywhere. Now, we've been going for, um, for 10 years, and, 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 and the, the, way that we, um, the way that we live this out is we have gospel communities. We've talked about gospel communities already, commissioned our gospel communities. Gospel communities are micro-communities that are centred on the gospel, where we, where we overlap our lives, we overlap our mission, and we, we encourage each other to be on God's mission together. And we currently have nine gospel communities, through these nine gospel communities, we have 100 adults and 52 children, more children to come, <laughs> and we have 32 gospel community leaders, 
a bunch of different mission fields, a bunch of different structures, all different vibes, all different people, but all with the same focus, all with the same God, all with the same spirit, all with the same mission to see the Blue Mountains reach for the sake of God's holy name. That's our focus. That's our, that's our DNA as a church. How does that sound? Good? On board? Yeah? Now, how that, how that looks and how that's lived out changes through the, each season. So we try and have a focus for the year. In 2020, we had uh, the year of biblical literacy. In 2021, we had uh, the year of authentic community in the world. And in 2022, we had the year of the story and way of Jesus. And this year's focus is the year of living in the story. So as Soma, this year, the way we'll live out our overall vision is that we want to grow in our understanding and our living out of our place in God's story. And the reason for this is because this is who we are. We're, as individuals and collectively, we are so wrapped up in the, the, the being of God, the reality of God, that we are a part of his story and we are looking to live that out. So to understand ourselves, we must understand him. To know, to, to know our stories, we must know his story. To tell our stories, we must also tell his story. The year of living in the story. How does that sound? Good? I think it's cool. Um, now, our Sundays play a part in this. Our sermon series, series is, we'll, uh, we'll line up with the yearly topic. Um, so we'll, we'll have Genesis. We're in Genesis at the moment. Uh, we're taking a little break just for this week. In Genesis, God's story from creation to new creation. Then Isaiah, the Messiah in God's story. And then 1 Corinthians, the church living in God's story. Um, so alongside, but alongside this, we're going to have the scattered series of, of rhythms. And there are six rhythms. I'm going to get the next slide up. Six rhythms. And the idea of these rhythms is generally these are things that we have in our day-to-day lives. Everybody, everybody tells stories. Everybody eats, everybody celebrates, everybody recreates. So what we want to do with this series is think, think about these rhythms and how we live these out in light of who we are in Christ. But also, as we do that, among the world, amongst people who don't know God, we can be missional with them. Because it's not, these aren't things that we do as Christians. These are things that the world, everybody tells stories, everybody eats all the time. So as we live them out among the world, we can be missional with them. Now that might mean changing how we eat a little bit. That might mean changing how we recreate in little ways so that it's more engaging for the culture, so that we can reflect who God is to the world. So that's, that's, that's the idea of this, this series. And there are six of them, which means one every two months, they'll be practical, practical, applicable, and there'll be something that we then want our gospel communities to focus on for that two months. And the first one is story. And this is a good one to start with because it, it wraps into the whole focus of the year that we're living in the story. So, how does that all sound? Awesome. I... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break us up into groups. Actually, I'm not. You're going to break yourselves up into groups. Just like maybe three, five, however, actually however big you want to make your group. And just pray for five minutes. Pray into this vision for the year, the stuff that Stuart said, 
um, this stuff, our, our, our vision for the year to live in the story, pray for our gospel communities. Um, so let's do that. Let's break up into groups and pray. for five, I'll set, set a timer for five minutes and I'll call us all back together. All right. Amen, guys. I'm going to pull everyone back together. Awesome. Great. Thanks, guys. It's a good thing to do. Um, so, story. Story. The rhythm of storytelling. Uh, the, other, the other week... Annie and I had a, a bunch of people over to our house for lunch. We had like 10 people around the table and we were having food, enjoying it, chatting and then someone started to tell a story and, and suddenly all eyes were on that person. They were animated and engaged and they stood up from the table, everyone else sitting, stood up from the table, they were acting out the story fully into it and everyone else were eyes on engaged, laughing, engrossed into this story. There was, there was something about how it was told, how it's acted, how it's communicated, that, that it captured the moment and it brought people into that moment. And there is something about stories, just generally. There always has been. From scratches on the inside of caves to, um, to oral stories passed down through generations. To, to writing on papyrus and parchment, to, to written narrative made into plays and, and theatre and comedies. From incredibly early on, these stories have been something that capture us. And now, and now everything's a story. Billboards tell stories. TV adverts tell stories. Music tells stories. And now we've got all these streaming services, Netflix, Binge, Stan, Prime, Britbox, Disney, HBO, Hulu, they're all things to subscribe to because there's so many stories in there. And then we have books and poems and songs and often answers to questions are in story form. There's something about stories. We're, we enter into them when we encounter them. We become a part of it and it, it enhances our imagination and, and our emotions. So as we think about the rhythm of story, what I mean is that storytelling is a rhythm that we have in our everyday lives. We are constantly telling stories. When we answer questions, we tell stories. When we ask questions, we tell stories. Maths, maths questions. They're, actually, they're always in story form. Johnny had two apples. You know, that kind of thing. The answer to that is two. <laughs> um, and then we write songs or poems, take photos or, or videos, we capture moments and, and all of them are telling stories. So even without us knowing, we're telling stories. So what I want us to think about is if we are telling stories and if our culture is engaging with stories, spending, spending hundreds of dollars a month, probably not that much, I mean some people, in order to read and, and watch stories, our culture engages in stories. So if we are telling stories and our culture is engaging with stories, how can we use storytelling in a missional way? And there are three things to, to help us do this. Firstly, we've got to know God's story. Secondly, we've got to see our place. And thirdly, we've got to storytell. So we've got to know God's story, see our place in God's story, and storytell. So 
we'll start with know God's story. And, and, and I'll start with a story. In, uh, from, from 1931. In, in 1931, C.S. Lewis, the author of the Narnia series, he went for a walk with his two mates, J.R.R. Tolkien and Hugo Dyson. And they went, they went walking along Addison's Walk, a beautiful picturesque river on one side and apples and oak trees on the other side. And as they walked, they talked. Literature, nature, perhaps. And then they got talking about religion. And in this discussion, C.S. Lewis, who was an atheist at the time, said to his two devout Christian friends about his love for mythology. All mythology, Greek mythology, Norse mythology. He loved the dying and the rising of gods. He loved their, their power and their love. And when, when Lewis was sharing this, Tolkien turned to him and said, there's a reason you love these stories. There's a reason the myths of, of old make you feel something. These stories are foreshadows. The, the dying and rising of God, the love and the power, they're real, but in a story of a larger kind. They're real in the true myth, is what he said. Now, this was one of the most impactful conversations for C.S. Lewis's conversion to Christianity because he realised the story of God was more than a myth and everything else pointed to it. So I'm, I'm going to get everyone to talk to each other again. Sorry if you don't like this, but we're doing it. Um, turn to the person next to you, and uh, you don't have to do it. <laughs> Sorry. If you don't want to, you don't have to, but it is a good thing to do. Turn to the person next to you, and, and think about this question. I'm going to set a timer again. Two minutes. What are three things you think of when you think of God's story? Three things you think of when you think of God's story. All right. Cool. Well, the reason, I, um, the reason I ask that is because it, it's, it's a really good thing to, to, to think of. Often we think of Christianity as, as just a religion to put our trust in, but Christianity doesn't claim to be that, actually. Christianity claims to be a story. And if you're a Christian, then you claim to be a part of this story. Um, but it's the story of the world. Our story, your story, their story. And we were a part of it. So what is this story? The story is that, that the world has been created in love and gentleness, breathed on by God, starting from nothing, chaos, darkness, and into this flourishing garden of life. With people created in the image of their creator and, and communing and partaking in life with him. But then, then came sin and rebellion by the people that God created. The world had been marred by sin. Brokenness entered in. And the true relationship and communion with God could no longer happen. But as we've seen in, in Genesis so far this year, God makes a promise of redemption, a, a, a promise, a commitment to the people to restore this relationship between humankind and God. But there was a problem because the people who, as Dave was saying last week, the people who carry this promise also carry the problem of sin and brokenness. 
And then the pinnacle of this promise, the, the fulfillment of this promise comes in Jesus entering into the world. That is, that is God incarnate, God in the flesh, God lowering himself to human standards so that he could live among us, so that he could die for us, taking the wages of sin and brokenness upon himself and rising again so that the relationship between humankind and God could be restored. And one day he'll come back again to make all things new, to completely restore, to bring us home, to eat and rest and work with us whilst we sing and dance and worship him in his presence. Now that's what we're looking forward to. And that is also what God is, that's the end that God is working towards now. God is working towards that end now. And he's bringing people to himself. He's restoring the world. He's renewing the world. And he uses us in this story. So in the meantime, whilst we wait for Jesus' return and the final fulfillment of redemption, we are in his story. We're in this radical point in history when the promise of this The fulfillment of this promise has been fulfilled through Jesus on earth. It is being fulfilled through the Spirit, through us, his body, his church, and it will be completely fulfilled when he returns, ushers in the new heavens and the new earth. That's the story of God. A tiny scratch on the surface of the story of God. But that's what we've got to know and believe and trust and love not only to tell it, but also to actually know ourselves and our place in the world. No one said amen during that, but... Yeah. Uh, and this brings us on to the, the, the second point. We've got to see our place. See our place. And we'll dive into Galatians 1 here, because Paul tells a story in Galatians 1. He's, Paul is speaking to the, the Galatians, who are who are quickly deserting the gospel. And also they're, they're doubting the, the authority, or they're doubting the apostleship of Paul. So they're deserting the gospel and doubting the apostleship of Paul, who brought them the gospel. So Paul tells them a story. But the way he tells it shows that it isn't his story, but that he has a place in God's story. So let's turn to Galatians 1. And I'm going to ask a question again, but I want everyone to shout out after I've read it if that's okay. (laughs) Um, Shout out. So the question that I want you guys to think about as I read this is, where is God weaved into Paul's story? Where is God weaved into Paul's story? Let me read it. Galatians 1, verse 13 to 17. It says, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and, and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I returned to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Where do you see God weaved into Paul's story here? Just shout out. Anyone? Well, he was initially um, the, the enemy of God, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was initially the enemy of God, persecuting the church. 
Any other thoughts? Before Paul was born. Yeah. Before Paul was before Paul was born, God set him apart from his mother's womb. God who takes the initiative, it's not Paul who takes the initiative, it's God. Yeah. Yeah. It's God who takes the initiative, not Paul. Any others? He, he begins, right? He begins by saying who he was, the life he used to live, how above and beyond he was. He tells how zealous he was for the traditions and how he used to persecute the church. And he's painting a picture of someone who's committed to that way of life, committed to, the, to, Ju- to Judaism, to the Jewish ways. But then from verse 15, he adds to the story. He doesn't change the story. He adds to it. And he shows that this story is God's story, but that he has a place in it. He says in verse 15, When God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son in me. Paul realized, firstly, Paul realized that he was a part of God's story, that, that, that God had set him apart before he was born, like Stuart said, that the story of God was in action before he even knew Jesus. Before he was even born, the story of God was playing out. So he realizes that the story of God is a fundamental truth, whether you believe it or not. And secondly, the other thing that Paul recognizes is, is that it's personal. It's personal. He set me apart. He called me. He was happy to reveal himself in me. God was pleased to choose Paul to be a part of this great cosmic story. And if you're a Christian, he is pleased, stoked, happy. I think stoked is the literal translation. No. He's, he's so pleased to call you. <laughs> to call you into this overarching cosmic story and his story has been active before you even knew him and then verse 16 Paul shares why Paul shares why he has a place in this story and he says so that I might preach him among the Gentiles so Paul realizes that he's been personally called personally reached but not just to crack on with his life not just to go back to persecuting the church or not even just to go back to whatever Going to the shops if they had IGA back then. I don't know. No, Paul realizes that he's, he's a part of something bigger. That he's a part of the true story. That, that the story of eternity, that, the eschatological story, the story of redemption and renewal, the story of restoration, restoring the world back to the garden days, but better. Paul is a part of this. Having a people who love and worship God through all eternity in a perfectly flourishing world. That is the end goal. And Paul is a part of this story. And so he says he went and preached among the Gentiles. Before Jesus returns and ushers in the new heavens and the earth, we, we partner with him in the restoration of all things. And that, and that includes the reconciliation, the, the restoration of humankind back to relationship with God. Mission, as the church calls it. Now here's something for you, and for me, for all of us. You cannot be an extra 
in this story. You cannot be an extra. There are no extras in this story. God God did not set you apart from your mother's womb, call you by his grace, reveal his son in you so that you could be an extra in this story. And, And if God set you apart, if God called you by his grace, if God was pleased to reveal his son in you, why would you want to be an extra in this story? It's amazing. He wants to journey with you. He wants you to be the carrier of the promise. He wants you to be the carrier of his love and he wants you to be the carrier of this story. We are people who are shaped by what God has done, changed by what God has done. And we've been personally called, and this isn't some abstract thing. It's, it's, more, it's more than just saying, I was once bad, and then I realized Jesus died 2,000 years ago, and now I try and be good. That's a miracle. <laughs> but it's more than that. It's so much more. You have become a part of this whole cosmic, mighty, eternal story. So... What's your place? How were you personally called? And how will you live? What's your place? How were you personally called? And, and how will you live? And once we know this, and once we can articulate this, then we can tell the world. And this, this, this is the third part, that we can go and story tell. And there are practical ways that, that we can do this. And I put some handouts on some seats. Um, have a little look for them. There's probably some on some empty seats. Um, And in these handouts, they give a little bit of structure to telling your story. This isn't the only way to tell your story, but it's it's a good way. It's a good way. We've we've found it really helpful. Actually, this is kind of just generally how stories are told. There's a creation, there's some kind of problem, and then there's redemption and restoration. Um, But if if you follow the headings, and then the little questions after the headings, um, then what it does is, is it helps you to see the way that God has engaged with your life from the very start and way into the future. Um, So we're not going to fill those out now, but but take them home and and, and put in like three bullet points in each box. And I think that will be, I mean, you can put more, but you probably won't fit more because they're pretty small. Didn't want to print more. Um, But put in three bullet points in each, and I think that will really help. Um, Yeah, just tracing your, your journey in God's story. But another thing to think about is the reality of actually engaging with the culture that we're in. Because it's all well and good to know God's story, to see our place. It's all well and good to actually be able to tell that. But how do we tell that in an engaging way that, that, that captures our culture? Um, so this is us thinking, how can we engage in our culture's rhythms of storytelling? So I'm going to get Rowan to come up. Rowan's a storyteller. He, both in how he tells stories, but also he takes photos and he films for a living and tells stories through them. Okay. Yeah. Yes, Toby asked me to share some things about how do we tell stories in our culture. Uh, photos from weddings we've shot, Alina and I uh, will be playing. But I just wanted to kind of say, well, I mean, we've been shooting weddings for a couple of years, maybe seven or eight years, and we shot a couple of hundred weddings, a few hundred weddings. Um, and yeah. I really love shooting weddings because we get to see two people come together. That's a beautiful story. Also, we get to see two communities come together, two families come together. And I think it's a really healthy thing for our culture. So I love being a part of it. And I want to tell, uh, well, honor the stories that our couples have, even though, like, every wedding is essentially the same. Um, <laughs> there are two different characters, and there's, there's still meaning in it. And I want to honor the traditions of that, and also bring stuff new and good, hopefully. Um, 
first thing to say that as a wedding photographer, I'm invited to be a part of someone's wedding day, and I think that's important when we engage with you know people's stories. You're going to have to take up some kind of invitation at some point. Um, obviously, we're being paid to be there, so that's, that's a pretty solid invitation. But <laughs> the invitation is also to be better than what CCTV footage could do, or someone with an iPhone could do. And those are important things as well, because we want to do a good job telling the story. We want to honour the invitation that we have. Um, so, how do you honour the invitation of like, you know, being in someone's place, in someone's <laughs> relationship for this one intense day? Um, I think what we do is we, uh, we try and be really present, try and be really attentive. Amir and I, we're looking for what's unique and beautiful about each couple, because, you know, it's a similar story all the time, but what's unique, what's beautiful? We don't want to just take arbitrary photos. Um, although we do want to, on a tradition, take you know, stand-away photos as well, um, we have the opportunity and the invitation to show couples what we see that's beautiful about them. Um, and hopefully that will be valuable to them, because as they see through our eyes what they're like, that's affirming and that's good, hopefully. We're invited, but we don't want to intrude. Um, we're not going to try and change the way that they are, but hopefully our perspective can offer something uh, that's helpful to them. Um, have this egg analogy I came up with during the week. So an egg could be a chicken. It could be, I, thought, I was gonna say snake, but I'm kind of a live young thing. It could be a turtle, or it could be a paddle Like, it's a matter of perspective. What are you gonna do with the stuff that you're given? Um, and so we're looking for like, the beauty in like, what we see on someone's window. Like, what could that be? How could we present that back to the couple uh, in a way that brings them life? Um, so we're expected to document the day, uh, obviously, but we don't want to be passive in that. And Toby was talking about being, you know, can't be an extra. We're not extras, we're trying to be active. Um, we look closely, we see the effort that went into little details that you know, other people might miss. We focus in on those kinds of things. Uh, we're looking really hard for those kinds of things because they matter to people. That is a big part of this story, at least if they're living it, and therefore, you know, other things that are good. Um, obviously we use technique and we've been trained to have a perspective uh, but you know it's just about trying to make something uh, extra extraordinary out of you know, something ordinary um, and the difference is we're trying to look in to the couple you know the family dynamics we're trying to look into you know their style and all those things rather than just looking out and photographing at them we're trying to get into them. So we need to know some of their stories. We spend a lot of time finding out what they're like, um, what they like, uh, how they met, like what do they do with each other, like what's the, what's the story? Because if we're going to tell it, we need to know some context. So we need to understand context, we need to focus in on the things that are really unique and beautiful about the people, and then we have a, hopefully a good thing. Um, still going. Okay. Um, so what I've learned about telling stories from shooting weddings specifically, uh, which is, you know, we feel like it's partly our calling and partly our mission. We want to share our relationship as a, as a couple, Amir and I, with people as we shoot their weddings and as we compare with them. Um, what we want is to be observant of the culture. You know, in this context, it's the couples, what are they like? Um, we've learned to listen hard and ask questions in order to understand the story, so that. Um, and, you know, we also look for ways that we can relieve stress for them and ways that we can serve them and ways that we can reorient them towards what's important on the wedding day, which is not the photo shoot. It's always going to be them um, making promises to each other in front of you know, their families and friends and in front of God. So 
Thanks, Ro. They, how cool was that? How cool was the slideshow? Like each one of those photos showed a story as well. You're, you're amazing what you do, guys. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I hope, that, I hope that's helpful for thinking about how we can engage the culture as well. Now, it's warm. We're, we're tired. I'm, I'm almost finished. I just want to talk about some application. Because we want, I said at the beginning, we want this, we want these rhythms um, this rhythm, these rhythm sermons to play out through our gospel communities over the next two months. So, so we want our gospel communities to think about storytelling over the next two months. So how can we do that? And, and there are three ways that we can do this. The first is that over the next two months, all gospel communities are going through the same study, the, the gospel community foundations, all going through the same study guide. Part of this course, part of this foundations course, is stories will be told every week. And it will start with the leaders, and the leaders will share their stories, then everyone will get an opportunity to share their stories. My challenge is to use this opportunity to think about how you can engage with the culture. And, and accept feedback as well. Ask for feedback about how you, how you told your story. Was it, was it engaging? Was it... Um, was it helpful? Did, did, I, did I actually talk about myself? Did I weave God in, or did, did I weave me into God's story? <laughs> so there's the first one. The second one is, I'm very aware that this has been very individual. I've been talking about our particular part in God's story uh, individually. But there's more we can do with stories. We can talk about how, how our church is a part of God's story, how our gospel communities are a part of God's story, how our families are a part of God's story stories and we can story tell those so um and we can talk about how how in those god has always sought to redeem a people for himself collectively so can you can you tell those stories can you tell stories together could seem a bit clunky could be cool give it a go the third thing is is to to pray to pray for these opportunities pray that god will open a door for you to tell your story and it's, it's a totally radical thing that we get to be a part of this cosmic, mighty, overarching, everlasting, eternal, glorious, true myth. <laughs> so pray that you can tell people and help them to see their part in God's story as well. We are a people who are formed by the story of God. Our living reality is within this story. We have a place and a part in this story. And C.S. Lewis didn't believe it. One second. C.S. Lewis. He didn't believe it, but God was pleased to reveal his son in him so that he could show his part in God's story. And then years later, C.S. Lewis wrote the Narnia books. And this is the last one right at the end. Sorry if you haven't read them, but you should have. <laughs> so I'm about to read like literally the last few words. Um, and, and all these characters in Narnia, they've all been through these adventures. They've all been through all these stories, all these different worlds, all these different characters. And then right at the end, he says this, and, and it's really applicable to us. He says, for us, this is the end of all the stories. We can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover 
and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. So as we're out and about in the world, we tell stories, we hear stories, we're a part of this large story, the true myth. God stepped inside, he took on that which separated us from him so that we could have friendship, relationship, community and partnership with him. And here we are waiting for his return, but not without purpose, because our lives play a part in the whole cosmic story in partnership with him. And then we get to enjoy the everlasting nature of this story as well. And we can tell it to other people. So how can we use this rhythm to engage in mission? How can we use storytelling in a missional way? We've got to know God's story, see our part in God's story, and storytell to the world. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you so much for inviting us into this story. Thank you that... um, for so many of us, we've accepted that <laughs> invitation and, and, the, and, and we get to be a part of this and we get to play a part with you. We have a role in this and it's just crazy to think that uh, we're a part of this cosmic story that's gone on forever and will go on forever. Um, and I pray that you help us to know how to do that amongst our culture, how to tell people our stories with you in the centre, uh, to show that you are the hero of this story, Lord. Um, Yeah, and I pray that you'll work in and through each one of us to know ourselves better through knowing you. And and I pray that the world will know itself better with eyes on you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.